Thank you, Anne. Um, am I on? Oh, good, I am. I'm glad there's a clock at the back so that I can see how long and what time it is. And I really do, I love the, I love the worship this morning. Wasn't that absolutely amazing? Isn't it beautiful to be able to come as a community of believers and worship God in spirit and in truth and have people who are faithful in helping us to do that? And whilst I was putting this talk together, I was... I was overcome with thankfulness for the theologians who have worked at so hard at crystallizing what the gospel is about and keeping us on track. And also for the um, church leaders who regularly preach the word of God and, and allow us just to come into God's presence, worship, and then hear the word of God. And it says in the word that... Um, you know, faith increases as we hear the word of God, but it also needs us to be active in taking hold of that and then working it in our lives. And often that is a real struggle for us because we come from such different backgrounds or different places of it. Um, I know that Ed spoke a couple of weeks ago from Hebrews 11. I listened to the talk. And um, it was about heroes of the faith who chose to believe in God and be certain of what they could not see. They worked towards the promises and ways of God. And I truly believe that God is calling us to be the Hebrews 11 of today. So it's, not a, it's an ongoing thing. And actually our world needs the heroes of the faith today. We need people who will take God's word into their heart, stand on what God is calling them to do, and then walk through fears to achieve it. And all of us are called to do that in one way or another. And as you do that, you're a blessing to your community, you're a blessing to your family, and you're a blessing to God, and he rewards faith. So it's something that... Um, I'm going to talk about today is, you know, a lot of the time it's the ifs that stop us walking into that. And if we look at slide one on, on there, it, it says that um, faith in God versus fear, which is what the talk is about. And I've put fear as false evidence appearing real because so often that is what fear is. There's a slight bit of truth in it, enough to get you hooked. But it's not the whole truth. And yet when we walk in faith, that's the whole truth. So you're always, if you, if you have fear in your life, it is so worthwhile thinking to yourself, what is happening here? And how am I going to, how am I going to work through this? It's sometimes in your childhood and your upbringing, you're not taught those skills. So you learn to react to fear and you make bad choices and it choices again and again and again in your life until your life is consumed with fear. And then at some point it might be that you decide to put your trust in God. For whatever reason, you might meet somebody who you think to yourself, I mean, for me, I met someone, a neighbor who was like, she just wasn't real. She was so kind and caring to everyone. I loved her being kind and caring to me, but I tried to protect her from everyone else just to let her know that people would use her. Um, and one of the things that I loved was this year I got back in touch with her. So that's like 40 years ago and um, said to her, did you know that I've become a Christian? And we chatted on the phone and I just thought to myself, you know, is that her faithfulness, just her faithfulness of being herself next door to a neighbor who was completely lost and going the wrong way. Actually, the fruit of it 
is amazing. And all of you, when you're like that in life, you do not know what effect you're having on the people around you, the people you love. So it's worth having that faith in God and living it out. If you don't live it out, and I've met many people before I came to know Jesus, and since, funny enough, <laughs> who don't live it out. They say one thing and do another. And to be honest, that's what brings the cynicism of the world into, into um, believers, because they see it. They see it so quickly. Um, if you think about it, here on earth now is the one time when we can have faith. When we get to heaven, we will not have faith, because you'll see everything. You know everything will be made visible. It's only here on earth what an amazing, amazing opportunity that now, today, in your life, you have the opportunity to walk in faith with God and reap a reward for it because God always rewards faith. There's two types of faith. There's the faith that the blood of Jesus has justified divine justice. And when we ask him into our heart and, and, and acknowledge that, um, we have what is called saving faith. This faith assures me of heaven because of Jesus. And this faith assures me of my standing with God because of Jesus. And even today, I had a sense that there'd be some people who were like thinking about whether to take that step of faith. And it is so worth taking because it changes your life into a God-orientated life rather than a me-focused life. It is amazing. And to be honest, when you have a me-focused life, it's far too small. A God-focused life is just see what he will do if you lift up your eyes and look to God for your life and what he has planned and purpose for you. It is incredible what he'll do. Faith is not having all the knowledge, but believing the word of God. And when you hear God obeying, that's how I think about it. it, in, it it's... Even when you're afraid of the outcome, you still walk through it. I was thinking of Ant and Helen today and thinking about, you know, when they started this church, when they felt called by God, check out their stories because I can guarantee you they would have had to walk through fears. They would have had so many fears to walk through and still have because, you know, working in a church environment, leading a people of God, you know, think of Moses leading his people. He kept going to God for his strength. That's why God was so pleased with him, so pleased with him. The only time he was disobedient was when he struck the rock twice, and as a result of that, he did not go into the promised land. And it, it, it's that, 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 um, that, that walk that we have that actually keeps us obedient to the ways of God so that we can inherit all the promises of God that is our divine inheritance through Christ here on earth. That, you know, and it, Don't wait till you get to heaven. Start now. Um, faith and fear are both about the future. Fear is a projection of what you think will happen. It's a negative projection, but it still hasn't happened yet. And faith is also a projection of what you think will happen. And it's not happened, yet it is a positive thing. So you have a choice, whether you realize it or not, and both have to be actioned. Until you action it, it doesn't come about. Does that make sense? So when I think about fear of spiders, for example, and lots of people are afraid of spiders for whatever reason, what happens is if you're afraid of the fear and then you action it, you will react to it. If you're not afraid of it, then you will just get rid of the spider, you know? Um, and spiders have a way of, of weaving webs. 
And that's a bit like the lies in our lives. They start, once you let one in, it starts to let more and more and more in. And I can guarantee you that lies will lead to fears. Okay? So fear sets the stage, I've put, for many dysfunctional behavior and attitudes. So many wrong choices and decisions made out of fear. And the truth is we can all be tempted down this road. If anybody in this room has never been tempted down the road of fear, could they just raise their hand so I could come and talk to them afterwards and find out how they did it? We all have to battle it. It's the humanness of us, you know. And at this time, we live in a culture of fear. So even more important it is that we learn how to walk with God in this culture and his culture and his ways rather than the culture around us. Going God's way changes the world we live in. Hebrews 11 talks about men and women who heard about God and walked in faith. Interestingly, verses 13 to 16 highlights this point. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show they're looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Just think about that. I think that's a powerful, th you know, if they'd been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. How important is your thought life and what you fill your mind with? And if you're harking back to your past or where you've been, you cannot go forward in your future. You, it's, it's like, what has God got, God got for me now? They focused on going for what they dreamed of or knew God had spoken to them about. And instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one, where God's will was, was there, where he was present. And they wanted God's kingdom here on earth. And we're a people that are called to do the same. They wanted God's will here on earth, and we're people who are called to do the same. God has prepared a city for them, so God has prepared a city for us. I love this scripture. What would you change in your life if you became less consumed with fears and more consumed with God's guidance? That's the question I'd like you to think about as you hear what I have to say, okay? God does not want us to be afraid. Fear not, or its equivalent, is found in the Bible 366 times. I reckon that's one for every day of the year and even one for the leap years. So God knows we're going to battle it, you know. But he also knows that he's got the victory. And if we give him the victory in our lives, he will lead us through the fears. Um, so the Bible says, a, says, what does it say? It says there are two types of fear. A godly emo emotion, and this is on slide two. A godly emotion, a feeling of um, reverence, awe and respect for the almighty God or an unpleasant emotion caused by natural circumstances on supernatural assault, which, the enemy which is the enemy described as the father of lies. And fear then can be healthy or it can be harmful. And scripture states in Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. I remember my husband before he came to know Jesus, who was really, really quite 
critical of my found faith. And I understand it, really, because he'd been like number one in my life until God came into my life, and then God was number one. And I always think it's a really difficult tension when, when suddenly you're knocked off a pedestal and you're no longer somebody's idol, <laughs> you know. And God really came into my life and changed that in my life, but it made our relationship really difficult. And I was forever praying and uh, when we left, when he started to come to church to support me, which is like, oh my gosh, you've supported me all these years, so I'll come and support you in what you like doing and one day we left church and he went I don't know why I come I really don't believe in God anyway I don't believe he exists it's absolute poppycock and I said without even thinking and I was like oh my gosh only a fool says there is no God now I know with hindsight that was God in me responding but at the time it felt like I just asked for well a row really um, <laughs> And if you think, and that often is what it's like, our tensions, we have to live with that tension, but living with God and saying yes to God. And if you think of the midwives in Egypt, ordered by Pharaoh to kill the baby boys because of his ungodly fear, they would have had a natural fear. Oh my gosh, if we don't do what he says, he will kill us. And that's the truth he would have done. He would have done. But what they did is they had a reverent fear of God that put their lives in the right place. And they chose, they chose, they were ordinary people like you and I. They chose to be obedient to God instead. They hid the baby boys and they lied to Pharaoh when challenged. I don't blame them. Exodus 1.21 says their reward from God was he gave them their own families. So there is a reward for faith and obedience. And think of Gideon. I chose these people. I could have chosen anybody in the Bible. You only have to read the Bible. It's a struggle. It's a struggle. It's a struggle all the way through. People struggling to be obedient to God and to say no to the culture around them or the influence around them and go with God. But I chose, I chose the midwives because they are just like you and I, working, but having to, in that place of work, have a holy, reverent fear of God and be obedient to his ways. And Gideon. I love Gideon. In Judges 6.15, Gideon saw himself as the least in his family, and he also saw his family clan as the weakest. And yet he had a divine encounter that changed his life. He didn't do it easily. He asked for, can I, can I just check? Can I just check? But God allowed him to carry on having relationship with him and and caused him to have the courage to do what God was asking him to do, which was destroy the Baal and Asherah um, high place that was in his father's house. He knew he'd be killed for it, but he still was obedient. He did it at night. That's how terrified he was, but he still did it. And what happened was, when the people found out who it was, they wanted him killed. But his father stepped in and said, no, let Baal, let Baal defend himself. I'm not, don't, don't worry about Gideon. But actually, Gideon was a force to be reckoned with because he had found out that he could trust God and God would keep giving him the courage to fight the enemy. And he's a, he's a hero of the faith because of it. There is a real battle for our mind, God wanting to renew it. And we often have an inner battle, stepping out of fears, hindering us from the action that we need to take. And we need to learn how to do that. So I would ask you, who are you choosing to listen to? Because it's very important. 
really important for your growth in Christ that you listen to the right people and the Word of God, that you listen to the right people. I thought about that, you know. So is self-talk. You know, self-talk is so important. How often when you do something wrong, you call yourself something, actually that that is that's not right. Catch those thoughts. You might have done a stupid thing, but you are not stupid. You know? You might have done a foolish thing, but you're not a fool. You're God's child. And we sang that song, I am a child of God. I am a child of God. And it's catching those self-talk things that you take to the cross and actually say, Jesus, I am so sorry I said that. Please don't make that judgment over yourself. Keep yourself free from the judgments. And the self-talk is really important. Really important to be able to push through fears. Um, I just wanted to, if I had time, I would have given you, I have got a bit of time, so I'm going to show you a video clip which is about to demonstrate how you can do this perfectly. And it's often whilst learning something new that there is a fear. And, and it can be healthy because you make all the safety checks then. And believe me, this young girl would have made all the safety checks. Her coach would have made all the safety checks. And if her mum and dad were there, they'd have made sure that the coach had done all the safety checks. But there comes a time when you have to achieve something, you have to push through your fear. So let's watch how she does it. And when you watch it, just listen to how she self-talks herself into being positive and agreeing with her coach. Okay, let's see the video. Do you know that's what God's got for us? He's got for us to share in his victory and have that, whoa, you know, and see what he's doing and join in. It's to be part of bringing his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And, and actually, do you know what? Often it feels like that. It feels like that when you start to step out in faith. You do not know where you're going. It feels a bit out of control. But actually, when you've got the structure in place, you're obeying God's word, you're obeying his voice, you've got somebody on your side, like your home group leaders or people who you love, your husband, wife, praying for you, you can do it and you push through. That's what fathers and mothers, good parents do with their children. They help them to achieve good things in their life. And that's what God's like with us. He helps us to achieve good things in our life. Um, Fear can be crippling, and she could have chosen to duck out. It can actually stop you doing something that is worthwhile. It, it actually diminishes what you think of God can do in a situation or what you can do in a situation. And you can react to the fear and then make poor choices, which brings more lies into your life. So it's so worth thinking about. If you've got fears in your life, don't wait for something ha to happen to get them to show, work on them before the event. Does that make sense so you don't have them anymore? I would say my counsel to anyone making a decision is get God's peace on it. Don't ever make a decision in fear. Because if you do, you can bet you'll, you'll be wrong-footed. But you get God's peace on it and you start to respond to him and you find a place where you where you actually have a God focus rather than a fear focus. And God is the lifter of our heads, and he does do that. Um, I am just, in Wayne Jacobson, in a book called He Loves Me, he makes the point that one can obey God and yet not trust him. And in doing so, we miss out on a relationship with him. And it is about relationship. One cannot, however, trust, trust God and be disobedient to him. I love that. 
you think about that. If you trust God, you just aren't disobedient to him. So it's important that you build trust up in God. And God knows how difficult it is for us to trust him. He does know it. Trust him with our families. Trust him with our loved ones who is not well. Do you know when John was ill, the day before his sight started to fail, he had a, a song going round and round in his head. And the, the song was, um, Open the eyes of the blind, water turned into wine, there's no one like you. And he, he's held on to that all the way through. He stayed in a place of peace, knowing God is with him. And funny enough, I didn't know we were having the best time we were on holiday. I was really enjoying it, but I could not get that Jeremy Riddle song out. You know, I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Couldn't get it out of my head. I kept thinking, oh, Lord, well, I'm really enjoying myself. This is a, suddenly that song became something that I've gone to again and again over the last few months. So God prepares us. He prepares us so that when we start to walk through really hard times, he is with us. And in the scripture, which I, um, I read this morning, I thought to myself, you know, it's just so amazing, Lord. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and that's real testing, I will fear no evil. And that is God's protection on us. For you are with me. It's his faithfulness. He is always faithful. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That's his discipline, his, his love, his, his, you know, his rod is like taking us this way, go this way, go this way. And it does, it, it is worth having. A God life is so worth having. 1 John 4.18 says, There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. When King David, when he was afraid, and when he knew fear, it clearly states in Psalm 56.3, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. And it's often in the trials of life that we grow in faith as we turn and trust God. So let's look at how fear can drive us into making the wrong decisions with huge implications. We're going to look at Adam and Eve's behavior in Genesis 3, 24. We, found out like, we find out like Adam and Eve, we cannot run away from God. We can't hide from God. He will find us. He knows where we are. We just, it's a bit like a child playing hide and seek and sticking their head under a cushion and then saying, come and find me. And everything else is visible. And that's what we're a bit like with God sometimes when we think we're hiding from him. When Adam was asked by God, where are you? He answered, I was afraid. He didn't actually say where he was. He just said, I was afraid. Broken love is now part of his world, and it's part of our world, which is why we struggle with fear. Because I was naked, so he's no longer covered by the unconditional love of God. Adam's way of dealing with this broken relationship was to try and hide from the pain, guilt, and loss of following Eve rather than God. He tried rationalizing. He tried blame-shifting. He denied any responsibility, um, anything to try and make it right, but he didn't choose the God way, and so often we're like that. In the end, he said to God, it was the woman you gave me. Now, it's clearly God's fault. I would say to anyone here, if you're blaming God for something, please get prayer at the end of service. And when I was thinking about this talk, I had a really sense that there is someone here that has been blaming God for something in their life. So God is wanting to minister to you. He wants you to come out and just 
check it out with him, okay? If we run from God in any part of our life, we will, like Adam and Eve, suffer the effects of the brokenness. And it's often the loved ones that we have around us that also suffer. So it's worth thinking about what are you afraid of? What are you hiding from? And what can you do about it? Can you be proactive and start to respond in a godly way rather than stay hidden? We push through faith to we push through fear to faith, and remember that faith is the antidote to fear. And that's slide four. Um, instead of reacting to fear, we respond by seeking God. And it's really important at this point that we learn how to confess to God what we're thinking and how we are. Sometimes that's called confession of sin. I think it's actually. It's true, but it actually what it is also, it's starting to have a deeper conversation with God than you have been having. And that's what we're about, having deeper conversations with God. And therefore, he can go deeper into our lives. And it is a battle for our lives. And believe me, the enemy will fight to keep you stuck. So your choice is, do I want to go in the enemy's ways? Or do I want to go God's ways? Do I want more freedom in my life? Can I be bothered or shall I just stay in this stuck place? Shall I stay in this place of comfort? Because believe me, if you stay in a place of comfort, it will get uncomfortable eventually. Something will happen. And when that something happens, you will not be prepared for it. I look at what happens has happened to us over the last few months and I think, God, you are so good. I actually felt like God asked me to... Um, to retire from being head of pastoral care from a job that I absolutely loved, knew that I was called to. It started off by my husband saying to me, I'd like you to, to stop working. I was like, oh, I don't see retirement in the Bible, John. You know, I love what I'm doing. And he said, eventually, he said, will you start to pray about it? I thought, oh, okay, I'll start to pray about it. As soon as I started to pray about it, I knew it was God. I was like, God, oh, my goodness me. It was so hard to say yes to God and John, but I knew it was right. And I actually then started to look at how I could lay my, life, my job down. Now I'm thinking, thank God I retired. Because living with a husband who has been so ill over the last few months and trying to do that, I just couldn't have done it. I would have had to have resigned in a very different circumstances. And yet by going with God, I was truly honoured when I retired. And I am really, really grateful to it. So do you see what I mean? You're going to get it anyway, but if you... The, the times of testing and the times of hardship. But if you are walking with God, he prepares the way so that you still know he's with you and you're walking with him. And you are. Um, there is fruit that comes out of it that is godly. And I can honestly say that some of the conversations that John and I have had have deepened our relationship. And I just thank God for them. I think, God, you are so, so good to us. Things can get better. Now, I'm going to just whiz a little bit because I know that I've talked too much, really. Um, and um, I'm going to go to slide, slide five, which is our faith is our response to God's word. We agree with him. And there's different ways of doing it. So I would say if you're stuck somewhere, get yourself in a home group. Get yourself to somebody who, like the pastor or staff on, on here or somebody that you trust. Not somebody who's going to agree with you, but somebody who you know will 
uh, give you godly advice and start to open up. Because so often what happens is in our stuck place, we stay stuck. We talk to God about it in our bedroom again and again and again and again. And we go round and round and round. And you need a circuit breaker. And a circuit breaker often is a trusted friend or somebody you trust who you can talk to about what is going on, what the fear or what the sin is holding you back. And then you can start to address that in, in a way where there's a relationship going that way as well as that way. And that's really important. And that's why confession is so good for the soul. Also being able to forgive and receive forgiveness is key to freedom in Christ. And 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 I I would say that if you struggle with forgiveness in an area of your life, it is so worth dealing with. Because actually what you do is, my husband has a real good way of expressing it. He says, you know, un unforgiveness is like drinking battery acid and hoping the person you're holding the unforgiveness towards is drinking it instead. It eats away at you inside and brings fears. So just work on it, I would say, work on it. Um, if God has asked you to do something, you cannot rely on your feelings, but you can rely on the unshakable character of Christ Jesus, and God will equip you for what he has asked you to do, and that is the truth. But you have to educate your feelings along the way. I had a chat with somebody earlier who has a passion and a calling on their life, and they know that, but they're struggling with how to manage it with their job and their finances and everything else. And the truth of it is, there comes a point where the passion and calling on your life, when you get to the end of your life, if you have fulfilled it, you will know such pleasure and victory in Christ, it will have been worth it. If you've shelved it for any reason, you will think to yourself, if only. And actually, we don't want to be a people of if only. We want to be a people who walk in faith and say, I've known victory in Christ in my life here on earth. Thank God. You know, so I'm just going to put the last slide up on here. And that shows a series of steps. And I would like you to think how you could take the next step in an area of your life. And if you look at the bottom, it says, I won't do it. And if you don't want to do what God is calling to you to or asking you to do in your life or, or you know, maybe he's just saying, I want you to love you. I want you to respect your husband and you haven't a clue how you want to respect this man who is out doing something that he shouldn't be doing, like drinking or blah, blah, blah. And you're thinking, actually, the Bible says respect your husband. He doesn't, it doesn't say wait till he deserves it. It says respect him now. And the same way for husbands. It doesn't say love you. It doesn't say wait till your wife <laughs> deserves the love before you love her. It says love her now as Christ loved the church. So that it's worth investing now in what God is asking you to do. So just have a check through that list. Where are you? You might be, yes, I can do it, but I actually don't know how to. So it might be that you then need to, the skills to be able to go to the next level, which is, I will do it. It might be that, yes, I did it. And then I would say to you, what does God have for you now? Because God has something for each and every one of us. His plans and purposes are worth following. So can I ask you to stand, please? Come, Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that you just take the words that I've spoken.
and you would bring kingdom fruit. We all need kingdom fruit in our lives, Father. And we all need courage in our lives, Lord. We all need boldness in our life, especially in this day. Be the lifter of our heads. Be that shield about us, Lord, so that we choose you. Inspire us to choose you. I thank you for the plans and purposes that you have for each one of us. I thank you that they're plans and purposes that are worth having. They're worth fighting for. They're worth laying hold of. They're worth praying for. And in the name of Jesus, I break the power of lies, especially stronghold of lies that people have been trapped in. I just break the power of lies now in the name of Jesus. And I ask, Lord, that you'd come with your truth, your blessing and your truth, and you would inspire your people to trust you, to hold on to the truth, and receive truth in those places of lies. Just ask Holy Spirit that you will sow seeds of truth, hope, and love in those places, Lord, and you would water them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We love you, Lord. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in our lives, please. Thank you. Amen. <laughs>